everybody. Welcome back to the Linux Cast. I'm your host, Matt. And I'm Tyler. Uh, yes, he is. This is the Linux Cast where we are the pinnacle of audio professionals. We know exactly everything that there needs to be known about audio and how to fix them, which is why we just spent 20 minutes trying to figure out how to get Audacity working and and, nope. and failed. <laughs> and failed at the end. <laughs> uh, so, welcome to the Linux cast. We talk about Linuxy things uh, when we're not bemoaning the fact that audio yeah. 30 years later is still utter garbage. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's still so bad. Um the, the the thing is though, before we jump in, just let's all be honest with ourselves. If you've ever used Windows audio, it's not much better. <laughs> no, no. You still just no. have just as many problems with audio on Windows as you do on Linux. So, for those of you Windows elitists out there, I mean, are there Windows elitists out there? Like, oh my God, Windows is so good. Um, I've yet to meet one. I'd like to meet one. I just want, yeah. I, I just, I just want to know exactly what it is you like about restarting your computer every five seconds. Uh, <laughs> anyways, um, now that I've insulted half of the people who use Windows. Let's go ahead and jump in. Tyler, what have you been doing this week in open source? Um, well, uh, so Josh challenged me to use Dvorak and um, suffer through like that whole um, shiznit, which it's been interesting. I've gotten decent at the home row and I'm, I'm moving on to, to the rest, to the top and bottom rows and getting more and more um expedient with uh with being able to type uh it's a slow process but it's getting better um i've gotten to the point now where i have a live stream like i've got a thumbnail made description title all typed out and ready to go for a live stream all i've got to do is schedule it for later on today and i'm gonna just talk um more about um what josh asked me to do and um using dvorak um it's been a challenge getting to that point mainly because part of what he wanted me to do is to check out void and um i'm gonna i'm gonna piss off the void gang here um all you like you know gangsters who uh rep void linux um it sucks ass like it's terrible. The installer is okay at best. Um, it's broken. Like uh, the base, the base ISO wouldn't even like my Ethernet didn't work. Which okay, um, awesome. And then I uh, Josh like modified it to like do a whole bunch of extra shit and he installed a whole bunch of more like stuff like network manager um internet still didn't work took me about 45 minutes to fix that and then i can't remember what the next issue was but it was a it was like a it was a complete showstopper plus i'm also trying to do it using dvorak whole (laughs) new layout i'm having to like look at my phone to like see where the freaking keys are and then type them out it was an ordeal um so yeah i just installed fedora and uh it's been great I- i'm still using dvorak but it's it, it's been great I, thank you fedora it's um nice just a thing on your audacity problem i've been thinking you should try the the are you using the flat pack maybe 
You should try. Sure. The, you should try the flat pack because I'm guessing that the Audacity that you installed is pretty old. If you installed it from the repos, very well could be. It, I, I'm very well could have not, might have installed it from the repos. Okay, um, you check that out. I Thank you. Um, anyways, I'm I'm proud of you for sticking with the Dvorak. You stuck with it longer than I did. I wrote a like a thousand, maybe fifteen hundred word blog post on Dvorak. Um, a couple days ago, it's up on Patreon for my patrons. It'll come out for everybody else next week. Um, I had some thoughts. Um, so yeah. Josh is very good at challenging people to do things for money. Um, wait, hold on. Before you go into what you've been into in, in Linux, I do also want to spend some time and talk about how upset you got when you first switched over about the period. Could you just go off like you did with us about the period just for a second? It requires an entirely different hand and an entirely different finger. And it's right next to and right near a whole bunch of like weird letters. And it takes so much time because it's where the E is on a QWERTY keyboard. And E is a very, very common letter for you to type if you know how to type. So mm-hmm. I'm always up there. Period is now my E. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it just appeared all the time. And then whenever I wanted a period, Z would show up because that's where Z is on Dvorak. I think it's it's either Z or X. I can't remember. Because um, I don't have it in front of me. I switched back to QWERTY. Um, it was a mess. Now, after... I had used it for five days. I understood it better why it's up there, and I got used to it because it is a very common thing for you to want to press. Like you want to press a period a lot. It makes sense to have it up there where it's much easier. It's much easier to reach that with your middle finger than it is to go down to where it is normally on QWERTY with your middle finger. At least it is for me because I have arthritis in the right hand, and reaching down with the middle finger down below the home row has always been difficult for me so having it up there actually didn't make sense but it is so hard to get used to because it's a completely different place um is that is that something the question mark too dude the question mark the question mark is up there like where the brackets are you know yeah yeah that's the biggest problem with the work is that the punctuation is all over the place. It's like it got scattered all around the keyboard instead of being all in like one side of the keyboard with one hand. Now you have to be able to do punctuation with both hands. Yeah, I I, I just didn't want to forget because like the way that you were you were upset when you first switched over was hilarious because you were typing out and you kept hitting the period and you're like, I swear to God, if I hit the period and the E in period was a, was, was, was a period. It was too. When you said it and you just said back, fuck. And I believe my, my exact words were, fuck you, Josh. <laughs> I'm pretty sure those were my exact words. Uh, <laughs> Um, yeah, anyways, I'm glad I switched back to QWERTY. I've been, cons- oh, you know, I completely forgot back to switch back to the right scene. Um, I completely, I keep doing that. I, I, I'm a professional. I know exactly what I'm doing. Uh, anyways, uh, <laughs> you know, I've been thinking about switching to Colmec because Colmec doesn't have the problems that Dvorak has with moving around the shortcuts and the, 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 the punctuation. Those, that stuff stays the same. I, 
except for maybe one piece of punctuation. I can't really remember, but it doesn't all move around. Um, no. So I'm thinking about trying out... My biggest problem with switching to a different layout is, is twofold. First, uh, Vim keys and all the the um, key bindings that go along with you know window managers and stuff. So all that stuff would have to change, but at least that only has to change once. But I also do yeah. a lot of work in VMs, right? And if you already have a whole bunch of VMs already set up, you have to go through each one of them and change the keyboard layout. And that is a pain yeah. in the tuckus. Now, if you catch it before you install, you can, you know, do it during installation and it's fine. But afterwards, it's always kind of a, of a pain. So, yeah, I don't know. That That's the one thing that's keeping me from even trying uh, Colmec again. Because uh, I really don't want to have to go through, like, the 12 VMs that I use normally to do stuff and have yeah. to change the keyboard layout. That'd be a pain in the rear end. All right. Yeah. So, uh, mine... Uh, what I've been doing. So there's two things. So first, I've been working on getting ahead in videos, and that's the reason why I've had a couple of days off this last week because I've been trying to get to the point where I'm well ahead in videos. That's the reason why I got up this morning feeling motivated to do a video and and got punished for it. Um, so yeah, that's what I've been mostly doing. But I also, due to a another Josh challenge, got challenged to to use Sway for three months. And, uh, yeah, it's not going to be three months. Just to let you know, Josh, it is definitely going to be a month, dude. Um, I'm just saying. <laughs> uh, I, I may keep Sway around for three months. But, anyways, I am not recording this from Sway right now because uh, I'm just not interested in messing around with it quite yet. But I'm, I've been using it for everything else. And it's not bad. But here are my thoughts so far on Wayland. Wayland is better than it used to be, but it feels like you're switching to a new operating system. So it's kind of like switching from Windows to Linux, where you have to, when you first do that, you have to search for every single application you need to use. So you need alternatives to, you know, your fire, your browser probably, you need an alternative to your file manager, your alternative to, you know, your email program, your, your image editing program, your audio program, your video player, all this stuff. You need alternatives for everything. So... I've made that transition. I switched from Windows to Linux, found all of the applications that I need to use, and now I'm switching away from basically what I've known and need to find a whole bunch of other applications that work with Wayland. So uh, things like trying to make a, do a screenshot, you know? Can't use Flameshot because Flameshot doesn't work in Wayland, so you have to find something different. Uh, you want to use something like uh, Rofi. Rofi sometimes works with Wayland, sometimes doesn't work with Wayland. It depends on which version you're using. Mine worked kind of. It was, it's very, very slow. Um, and D-Menu does seem to work with Wayland, but it doesn't see flat packs, which I don't even begin to understand. Apparently, it's because of where the flat pack stuff is, started, is stored in that var instead of in, a, in the regular path. So, I'd have to use... I think I, in order to get that stuff in there, I'd have to add var, that var to path. I don't know. I haven't messed around with it all that much. Um, you can't use Polybar because Polybar doesn't work with, with Wayland. So you have to use Waybar, which is not the same thing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. So, um, yeah, it's, it's like you have to go th through and find all of these extra things in order to get them to work. And it's cool. It's been fun. But it's also, like, every it's time I... Also, why? <laughs> like, like every, yeah. every, every time I use Wayland, I'm like... Why does this exist? What is wrong with what we had? 
Like it works. Yeah. Like I okay. Like I understand Xorg is is old and it's not well maintained and it has security bugs. So fix it. Don't make something new. <laughs> okay. And if you are going to make something new, at least make them backwards compatible so all of my shit still works. You know what I mean? It, I it's it's just nice. Plus, you bring up a good point. It's almost like we're having the like war that we had between consoles back in the day. Like just make them backwards. Like there's no reason the PS4 shouldn't be able to run PS3 games. Like right. come on. Uh, and, and you should. <laughs> I think it was actually like the PS. I think it was like the PS or whatever that had the first backwards competitive. I don't know. It doesn't matter, but it was always like you had, was it the PS3? Like if you, there were some game, no, it was the Xbox. It was the Xbox 360. It had, it had backwards compatibility, but now with everything, you had to look at specific games that had like a de- special designation on them to know whether or not they were backwards compatible. That was a mess. I think that was the Xbox. I don't know. That was been, that was a long time ago, but yeah, it, it's just, I don't, I'm confused as to what Wayland gives me that Xor doesn't. You know what I mean? It doesn't really make sense to me yet. Like people sing Wayland's praises, like, "Oh my God, no screen tearing." Well, you want to know what? That's that's great. You know what? No screen tearing is a fantastic out of the box experience. I love that. But I fix screen tearing on Xor. Like it's fixed, right? We've had the solution to fix screen tearing on Xor. For whatever reason, we haven't made it default yet, so you have to do it every time you install Linux. But it's fixable, obviously, you know, with vSync and and doing, you know, a four-line edit in an Xorg conf, uh, you know. So it's fixable. Other than no screen tearing on Wayland, what does it give me? I, and I'm still, I'm just, I'm not sure what it... I've been using Sway now for three or four days, and I haven't discovered the thing... That make it makes me want to jump up and down and say, "Oh my God, Wayland is the future." I'm not there yet, no. I, and I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't see it. Um, I mean, like I said, I just, I don't, I don't see it yet. Maybe I will. Like I have, I have a whole month left to go, but. So well, I mean, that's kind of the problem that I think we both had with Wayland. Is like it on the surface, it's fine. It's actually gotten it's gotten to the point now where it is just fine like it works for the most part but then once you start using it for a while uh, it, it's it's weird like you find cracks in wayland that just don't exist in x11 and so you end up having to go back to xorg you just you just have to um or at the very least you have to like come up with so many uh, around the around the block solutions to the problem to make Wayland suit or or work, um, where it's just you don't have to do that. And and I mean you you said it best. Like when it comes to to Xorg, you're probably going to have screen tearing. Like that's probably going to be your only issue. Like if you have an issue, it's probably going to be that. And it's I mean there's like seventy thousand different guides on how to fix screen tearing on on X11. Every really YouTuber has one. Yeah, exactly. So, like, I mean, it's it's really not a problem, but I, I, I don't know. I think I think it, uh, Wayland will eventually get there, but I don't, I don't even know because I've I actually have read a few um, Reddit like discussions from developers who are trying to make Wayland compositors slash window managers, and from there, from what I I understood from their conversations developing the Wayland 
solution or equivalent to a, to a window manager is radically more dif, uh, difficult than uh, doing the same thing for Xorg. I mean, mainly because as far as I understand it, like you, a compositor, you're, you essentially are making your own compositor um, well, when I, you're trying to build a win, window manager. WL Roots or whatever is the compositor, and it's, you know, it's made by the same guy who's, who do Sway. And, like, you know, it means you don't have to use, you don't have to develop a separate compositor, like, with, with, with PyCon or whatever, like it, whatever. Well, but from what I from from what I was reading, WL Roots is very incomplete and and oh, or hard to extend like extend out of. It, it's it's uh, definitely has its issues. So Gary Higgs in the chat says you don't mind hacking all day and Xorg stuff. I don't though. I don't, like I don't do that. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like it just works. Uh, yes, I had to fix screen tearing. It took five seconds. I was done with it after I. And actually, with Fedora, I didn't even have to do it. So like. Well, I mean, most of the time for me, like screen tearing is simply fixed by just installing Pycom. Yeah, exactly. Or you, any compositor. Like. Yeah, just use Pycom and use VSync. It's just it, or if yeah. you're in a in a window in a desktop environment, use VSync through their their display panel settings you know it, it you don't i mean i don't spend all day hacking a, i mean yeah i spend all day racing a, a thing but that's, that has nothing to do i mean i'm gonna do that in sway too you know what i mean <laughs> you know yeah. so it, it's it's just the it's the thing right it's just i'm not sure what the benefit is of it yet um why also hello sex bot how you doing um <laughs> hope you're doing good bye bye it, it's welcome to the chat. <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving on to the contact information. This is the most anticipated part of the show, I'm sure. Um, you can find all of our contact information at linuxcast.org slash contact. Uh, if you don't want to listen to this part and want to skip ahead, you can do so, obviously, if you're not listening live. Uh, if you're listening live, you guys are just going to have to sit here and take it. Um, anyway, anyways, uh, speaking of the Linuxcast that over there, you'll find all of our past episodes, except for the last one, which I haven't added yet. Um, I need to do that. Anyways, the Linuxcast.org has all of my blog posts as well, so you can check that out as well. Tyler has a YouTube channel, which he does occasional youtube things on. You can find him at youtube.com slash zanyog. Uh, you can start, subscribe to the Linuxcast at youtube.com slash linuxcast and find... Uh, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash linuxcast. That's all of our contact information. I believe there's an email address, uh, email at the linuxcast.org. I've been told that I need to say that in the show, so I did that. Welcome. Uh, I was so, a fantastic read. Can like just just quickly before we move on, can I get like just you know a whole bunch of claps in chat for that? Like that was <laughs> that was great. It was phenomenal. It was good. It was it was one of the better ones. All right. So, uh, this is the second week of us doing our brand new format of news. So, we're just going to do the news. We, we we have become the news anchors of uh, the Linux world. Um, the only ones that you can trust, at least, you know? Right. I mean, we, also we need don't a, have an agenda. We need, a, we need a highly inaccurate weather forecaster, someone who can't forecast the weather to save their lives. <laughs> we'll just be set. <laughs> um, all true. right. So Tyler, I will let you go first. Which one would you like to go with first? Um, I think I'll start off with the one that I'm kind of the most excited with, which is uh, the um, uh, Ubuntu coming to the like little. Um, it's called the Leche the Leche RV like dev board. Um, it's actually like 
pretty cool. Um, I find it really interesting um, that we're having Ubuntu coming to Risk Five, which, like, the the fact that right now the most popular or at least the most um, prevalent um, Risk Five devices that are out in the wild are just they're like single core to like maybe dual core CPUs with half a gig of RAM, but they're actually getting a lot of support and a lot of people are checking them out, including myself. Um, I think they're really cool and it's a really fun, um, it's a fun architecture. And, it, and I think it's exciting that it's not just getting uh, better and better hardware wise, but that software is slowly starting to uh, be adopted for risk five before it's even at a point where it's like um, relevant for home use. It's a good thing. Um, do you have any opinions on risk five and uh, these like little single board computers? I want one. I don't know what I'd do with it, but I want one. Um, Same. Uh, and maybe if I could get one of these, it, it would take this thing out of not being able to get a Raspberry Pi because they're never in stock anymore. Um, True. I've wanted no. to build a Raspberry Pi NAS for six to eight months and just haven't been able to buy one. Um, and when you do find one like on eBay or something like that, they're like $400. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. That's that's cute, but no. <laughs> well, what cracks me up is when I see like uh, one of the, the Pi Zeros that are supposed to like retail for $5. And like they're on sale for like eighty six bucks. I'm like, what? How? What's like? What? What's? What is happening to our world? Yeah. Yeah. Sad. I don't. I don't know. Um. So this thing here. Um. I would like. Like I said, I'd like one, but I don't know what I would do with it. Um. <laughs> like it's one of those things. Like yeah, I'd, I'd nerd on it and see if I can install something other than Ubuntu on it. <laughs> of course I would. Um. But I don't know what I would do with it yet. It, well, I, I have ordered one, but I'm in the same boat that you are. I have no idea what I'm going to do with it. I, I have no idea. I just want to check it out. Like You could buy so, like 10 of them. They're like $7 a piece. Yeah, the, I, I'm pretty sure mine. I, I, I don't know all that I got with it. I know I got some extras, um, but I'm pretty sure I spent like $30 on it. And, it. and again, it comes with not just the board. It comes with some extra things. I'm pretty sure I got an SD card with it. And, you know, some other small, like, niceties that are coming with it. But it's not bad, like, at all, for especially for a device that's, I mean, it's it, it's not necessarily very practical, like, you know, performance-wise, and, and especially since I, I have no idea what I'm going to do with it, it's not very practical. But um, for something that's cutting edge, like like the RISC-V architecture and it becoming more mainstream, um, I think it's kind of a good, I mean, 30 bucks is not a bad price to check out something new and see, and see whether or not it's really something interesting and intriguing. So it has an HDMI interface supports many, many screen by its screen convert board. It also equip, equipped with many peripherals, including us. They really need to proofread their, um, I'm assuming that English was not their favorite. They call it a UAB port instead of a USB port. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, also, Wi-Fi-BT. Oh, it's Bluetooth. Okay, yeah. Anyways, mm -hmm. um, 
So it has a lot of stuff. I wonder how they sell it for that cheap. Not to be honest with you. Um, yeah. yeah, that looks cool. Um, but why Ubuntu? <laughs> well, I mean, I am going to make the wild assumption here that it is not Ubuntu desktop. Oh, no, like, it's definitely going to be server or maybe, yeah. maybe even Ubuntu core. Yeah, like I mean, it 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 would obviously, it would make no sense to have a DE included with it. Um, okay, somebody, but, anybody out there, get one of these, install GNOME on it. It's a challenge. <laughs> like I want you to do it. <laughs> a GNOME, GNOME running on half a gig of RAM and a one core, like just above one gigahertz processor. I that don't. That is going to be one hell of a user experience. I don't think it would actually install on it. I don't, I don't, maybe get installed, but I bet you it wouldn't launch. Oh, come on, man. Have some hope. Just for shits and giggles, like, I'd love to try it and just wait 30 seconds for my D to just even start to begin loading. That'd be so fun. Yeah. All right, moving on to the next one. Uh, I'm going to go with this. I, I was shocked. I would have thought for sure that this would have been yours, but no, the Steam Deck has hit over 6,000 games marked as verified or playable. Um, don't I mean there's 2,401 verified, 3,680 playable, and 2,196 is un, unsupported. Let's talk. And from, also, as somebody who this should have been my article, I will go ahead and say there is way more games than that that work just fine. I have played many games that are classified as unplayable on the Steam Deck, and had great fun with them. Awesome. Um, Two things in the chat before we move on, before we go back to what I was talking about. First, Josh, if you get GNOME on that board, I will seriously, I want a video of it. I want proof. Um, also, Gary Higgs, GNOME is a one-syllable word. No, it's not. It's GNOME. It's based on an acronym. I can't, I have to stop the podcast just to correct you. Um, good Lord. Let's fight over pronunciation. Yes, I, I have to. It's it, it, it's it's in the the GNOME developers don't care which way it is, but it started out as GNOME. So I just had to put that. Anyways, moving on <laughs> uh, back to the Steam Deck. Can we just I just look, I don't have a Steam Deck. I'm probably not going to get one because I'm not a gamer. But the fact that you can get a three hundred and fifty dollar gaming device that has access to six thousand games. That's bonkers. Like, OK. I don't know what the numbers are for when it comes to the the Nintendo Switch. I don't I don't know what their library numbers are like, but I almost guarantee that it's probably like 300, maybe 400 games, if that. Um, I mean, let's just be astronomically generous when it comes to the library for the Nintendo Switch and say they have a thousand titles. Let's just say, I mean, there's no way they actually do, but let's just be generous and say yeah. they do. Steam Deck has six times that. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just, I mean, you can't, cannot argue that the Steam Deck has not been the most successful gaming console ever. Maybe not in terms of sales, but in terms of game compatibility, it has everything else beat. Um, nope. It's nuts. I mean, even a console that's been around for a long time doesn't have 6,000 titles available to it. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and, and also the... The scary part for Nintendo, and I feel bad for them as a company, but they're trying to fight to keep this kind of information hidden. But um, the Steam Deck not only has more games than they do, and also, uh, uh, as long as we're discounting Nintendo first-party games, 
uh, an astronomical more um, um, major and iconic titles. Uh, are, way more are available on the Steam Deck. And um, if you want to play Nintendo first-party games, um, that's a hundred percent possible on the Steam Deck with that with um, not that much effort. It's not easy, easy, but it's not that much work. So if you wanted to play Breath of the Wild on the Steam Deck, you can. Nintendo does not want you to know that, but you can. You can. So, yeah. Um, I'm Peter said in the chat that the, the Switch has 4,000 titles. I... Wow. Cool. Those are all available on the Steam Deck. Like, like that—that's that, the sad part about the the argument between the 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 Steam Deck versus um, something like the Switch. Uh, you can play Switch titles on the Steam Deck. Uh, now, granted, you're not supposed to. I I did some um, Google, I did some googling and I don't I don't see that number anywhere. But maybe maybe even even if that's true, which I don't think it is, I'd be shocked. Um. It, the Steam Deck still hasn't beaten. It's been out for a year. Um. Anyways, it's um, it's very interesting because it's just like like I said, I'm I'm not sure I'm ever gonna buy one. I'll, maybe I'll check out the second generation or something if there's. I I have a problem with with Valve and that they never do a second generation of anything. You notice this? They never done a single yeah. second generation of any single product uh, hardware well, product that they've ever made. Um, yeah, I, I will say I think that's mainly just because um, it it's almost impossible for them to count to three. So it takes a lot of iterations for them to be able to count to two. <laughs> that was a Half-Life joke. <laughs> you ever saw one in your life? <laughs> Hopefully people who aren't gamers will get that. that yeah, Valve doesn't count to three. It's fundamentally impossible for them to get there. But it is what it is. Yeah, that's what it says. It says there's 4,431 games for the Nintendo Switch. I'm I'm astonished. <laughs> I w- I would have bet it was closer to three or four hundred. Um, because even that's I mean that's a reasonable number of games, but apparently there is 4,000 games. Um, I I'm just reading through some of the titles right now, like um. <laughs> Can show this on screen. <laughs> Some of these games, I guarantee nobody's ever played. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. Maybe not even the well, develop. I mean, maybe not even the developers. <laughs> well, I mean, like, let's be honest. Not there's not very many third-party games that get purchased for Nintendo products. All right. Because I mean, that's not why you buy a Nintendo product. What, Twelve you... of the games are is the Jackbox Party Pack. Yeah. <laughs> That, that doesn't really count. Come on, man. That's that's twelve of the games right there. Okay. All right. I've had enough of this. This. So yeah. I so I was wrong. <laughs> there are a lot more games on the Switch than I thought that there were. Not a gamer. Don't blame me. Um, it's okay. All right. Moving on to the next one. That's the Steam Deck. I'm very impressed with the amount of games on it, even if Switch isn't as far behind as I thought they were. Uh, Tyler, which one would you like to do next? Um, I think we'll go on to the Zorin um, article that I have because okay. uh, um, this is kind of interesting. Um, Zorin, I didn't realize this, but so for one, Zorin looks like they have been taking advantage of the new GNOME. Like, um, how, how do we say this? Um, 
non-shit aesthetic to their benefit. Because it's much easier to make something good-looking when the base that you're pulling from starts looking good, too. So the actual screenshots that I've seen from recent Zorin OS versions, not just this one, um, it started looking way better. Like, it, it, it looks a lot more cohesive, a lot more... Um, properly designed i guess it's it's got a real nice aesthetic um and wobbly oh, windows that's wobbly windows <laughs> well i mean come on now you know have, have some fun with your desktop if you can why not like let's, let's just be honest Bloat. oh my god <laughs> everyone screams that i if i have the option of enabling wobbly windows i do like uh, now by option, I mean a simple, super easy click button option to turn it on. I'll do that. But um, I don't know. I, I, I think there's something to be said to just making your desktop be a little bit fun. Now, Zorin has also done some work to make it to where when you open some Windows executables, they will link to better um, FOSS alternatives. Like if you try and install, I think it's like the GOG game launcher or like um, the Epic Games launcher, like EXE, it'll actually link you and, and take you to, um, what is it? The Heroic Games Launcher. Yeah, Heroic Games Launcher. I, I knew it was somewhere here in the article, but I forgot where it was. And I, also, I don't use the Heroic Game Launcher pretty much at all. But yeah, when I, I, thought that, I, I think that's a really uh, user-friendly way of looking at like designing your operating system. I think it's a really good thing to do. When I first started reading this paragraph where they were talking about that, I thought that they were going to say that it says, we've also expanded our built-in database that detects Windows installer files. When I read that part of the sentence, I was like, oh, they're going to use like bottles or something or wine to like automatically install those um, files right on your computer and let you run all the Windows apps you want. That would uh, That's where I thought that they were going. But no, I actually... I think I like this better where they're, you know, pointing oh. it towards open source alternatives. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's cool. Um, I'm s- yeah. I mean, I, I've had a lot of arguments against Zorin in the past, and I think it's kind of decisions like this that'll, that'll definitely change. Not just my opinion, but the people who have opinions similar to mine, like these kind of decisions are, they're good. They're very good. They're not, they're not only good for the users, but they're, they're good in public reception. Like you, you're building a lot of trust with the community. I like it. Yeah, so here's my plea for Zorn. Please use the dark mode by default. <laughs> like, yeah. I, the white mode just it hurts my eye. <laughs> I won't disagree with you there, but I also won't. I won't back you up too much on that one, only because like I, I have the same argument against Fedora, but I, I don't really bring it up like that much. I mean, they should just have a dark like the dark mode should just be the default it should be it should be every i guess not just zorn it should be every every everyone should use the dark mode as default um why this isn't and i know that some people in chat need to hear this we are not saying that you shouldn't have the option to enable light mode okay or that you're a dirty person if you do even though i completely disagree with you fundamentally as a person (laughs) if you choose to use light mode like why do you hate yourself but the the chat doesn't we we are free to disagree okay the chat doesn't care about what we're talking about now they're still talking about gnome But yeah. it's the best so thing like, ever. I mean, that, 
Th- that's my thing. Like you should be able to have your light mode, but you should also be able to understand that for the majority of people, dark mode is nicer and easier on the eyes. Just make it the default. Yeah, I I, I think that that's true. Um, I would I I think that we should definitely sign that um petition or whatever. It should just be normal. It should be it should be the the default. I don't think it would hurt anything. It wouldn't make a whole bunch of people mad. It'd make a whole bunch of people happy. Um. Anyways. No. So, anyways, Emacs. <laughs> As Josh says in the chat. Uh, <laughs> all right, moving on to the next one. Uh, we're gonna talk about Linus Torvalds saying it's time to get rid of IA486 CPU support. And uh, the reason why I included this particular article is not necessarily because I disagree with it or because I d- don't think any I think anybody would disagree with it, but that. It's one of not necessarily just i486, but we've done it with 32-bit and things like that. Like 32-bit still exists, but they're slowly phasing it out, right? And the one thing that's great about Linux when it comes to the kernel development is that they're not afraid to get rid of stuff. Also, not afraid to keep stuff because floppy drives are still there. Um, nope. But they do, from time to time, get rid of stuff. And it's not something that Windows does all that often, which I think is nice. So, uh, yeah, they're talking about getting rid... After dropping support for the ancient i386 line of CPUs over a decade back, the Linux kernel is gearing up to possibly drop by 486. Uh, Those were launched, by the way, in 1989. So if you're still using one with a modern Linux kernel, I mean... Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I can understand still using. Like a lot of people like to do retrograms and stuff on that kind of stuff, which is fine. Um, but you're not running Arch on it or Gen two. No, <laughs> at least you're probably not. Uh, well, Josh probably is, but. <laughs> well, I mean, and also the idea that you can't just use an older kernel. It's like some some people also like act like that's not an option. It's like no, it, you, if you're running a computer. From 1989, or let's just be generous and say it's like from 91, um, brother. I I I don't think you're gonna need any of the new features of the new Linux kernel. I I I think you'll be fine. It's okay. Okay, so if you're running a computer that is was brought out in 1989, there's a good chance that it's not connected to the internet. Oh, true that. So, true that. I mean, unless you can, I mean, <laughs> unless you've bought yourself like a, a an actual like modem, you know, the kind that had a handshake sound, sound, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, and connecting it that way. But it, you know, why are you doing that? First of all, I mean, for what purpose? Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, you, if you're using one of those kind of things, you're doing it for a specific purpose. You're doing it for retro games or because you're like a super nerd, um, which, you know, I salute you, um. Or you're just interested in the architecture. Yeah, like, you, I mean, you, there could you, be a thousand different reasons. You're doing but... it for fun. You're probably yeah. not doing it to browse Google. So you don't oh, need... God, <laughs> I hope you're not. You're like, like, Ooh, let's fire up the Commodore 64 and watch some YouTube. <laughs> you <know>? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, like I said, I don't, I don't think that the, you need a current kernel to do that. So cutting this out from the more modern kernels makes a lot of sense. Um, at least I think so, but I, I've been told I'm a modern snob. I only only like new things. Um, I mean that to, to me, I think I think that kind of terminology or demonization of somebody is only relevant if you're talking about like the type of um, 
extreme removal like Microsoft tried to pull, like where you're like, yeah, I mean, if it's older than four years, why are we still supporting it? I mean, that is extremist. Yeah. Like that, like that, that's a little bit much. But I mean, when we're arguing about something that was over 20, like it's well over 20 year old tech. Come on, man. Like uh, getting shaving it off there. It's like we can have a reasonable discussion about whether or not we should get rid of it. But trying to demonize somebody for getting rid of something that old or support for something that old. Uh, I don't think that's fair. Like, those, it's those just not com- fair. Those computers are almost 10 years older than you are. <laughs> So yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> scarily bit, close. Um, um, they're only four years newer than I am. <laughs> so you know, so yeah, it's. Yeah, like, I, I don't think there's a a big problem with this, and I don't think anybody's making it a huge deal. Although the article that I linked to is this good or bad news? Well, I'm afraid that it is bad news, but it does ha- not have a major impact. Then it's not bad news, okay? Um, but if if they can take you know. A few thousand lines of code out of the Linux kernel, they should, because you know it's like 30 million lines of code right now, or some astronomical number. They need to prune back just a tad. Um, so well, and, and also doing stuff like this, removing that old, that that super old retro support for stuff, it does. I mean, you can make an argument against this, but technically speaking, it should, no matter what, decrease the attack attack. Um, vector yeah uh, the the uh, well the amount of attack vectors Surface. in in the linux kernel so uh, <laughs> peter says so, so, what, so what matt is trying to say is that he should be removed from the linux kernel as obsolete are <laughs> 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 uh, you saying i'm too old to use linux uh Back to Windows for you. Yeah, I'm gonna have to go back to I uh, Windows three or something, I guess. Um, all right, moving on to the next one. I think yours is the Fedora one. Is your last one? Yep. All right, I'm shocked that this one isn't mine. Actually, we should have switched. We should have switched the theme in this one. All right, moving on to the last like, one. next one. When I when I saw in your like when I saw this, I had to go back and check to make sure that I didn't miss it in one of your links, but. Yeah, uh, Fedora 37 is getting delayed now. It's not because you know it, like you know they're they're having troubles getting it all looking good. Um, OpenSSL has apparently a critical security bug that'll be fixed November 1st. So they're holding back the actual major release until that gets addressed and can be put in the actual release and then shipped off, which. I don't think anyone has a problem with. Um, I also do want to go ahead and give kudos to them for being very transparent about why they're holding it off. Yeah. They've, they've talked about this in like four or five blog posts. They're, I, I, they're kind of freaking out about it because they had a streak of like 15 years or something like that of releasing on time or or at least hitting the first or second target date. And uh, this is going to be the first time they've missed the target dates. Um, no. So that's a big deal for them. Nobody else cares. Um, everybody else cares that you're, you know, you're waiting for a significant vulnerability to be fixed, which is what you should do. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. The, I was reading about this earlier in one of the blog posts from one of the main developers of Fedora, and they were talking about how, uh, so the OpenSSL 
organization got notified of this fix or of the security flaw probably a few months ago. They didn't give a time frame and it's been under embargo. So the reason why they ha they can't just release the Fedora 37, which already has the fix, like it's already there. They, they, they know about it. Well, it doesn't have the fix. They have the fix ready to go. I don't know. It, it's, it was hard to understand. But the, the thing is that they can't re release it with the fix until it's been made public because they don't want the the security flaw to be out there, be, you know, used by bad people until it's been released yep. wide. So that's, you know, it's a, and OpenSSL is a bit of a big deal, you know? <laughs> like, like yeah. it, it, Well, I mean, it, also, it's a terrible idea to put out a release when you know full well there's a, there's a, you don't know the scope of the security bug, but when you're being told it's a critical security bug and you're like, eh, ship it, boys. Um, it's not going to look good. Josh, according, yeah. according to the developer, this is the first time they've missed since April of last year. So maybe they missed October's last year. I don't know. Um, anyways, that's, it doesn't really matter to me. I, whatever. The, the point is that they're, they're missing it and they're doing it for a good reason. Um, personally, I probably won't update to 37 until it's been around for a little while. Um, let let them iron out some of the bugs. Um, they'll know that know that pop up. So I'm not out. I, I wasn't gonna upgrade right away, anyways. Of course, I say that, and then I'd probably do it the day it came out anyway. <laughs> you know, cause no, something I'm... ooh, something new and shiny. Um, but yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm. Anybody else just completely shocked that I'm still on Fedora? I mean, it's been months. Yeah. It's crazy. Uh, I, I I am surprised because. Like, I would have figured you would have gone back to Arch, but, like, I was really betting on you going back to Arco, like, decent, decently soon. Like, I mean, I assumed you'd probably stay for, like, a month. That wouldn't be a problem. But no Arco has come back into your life. It hasn't. And have changed. I used Manjaro in a VM the other day, and I had forgotten how to update it. <laughs> like, like, I forgot... I, I forgot... Um the u at the end of the of mm -hmm. the update command that I, I don't know why i mean I, I used arch for a long time i should have remembered that but i forgot it also i forgot that manjaro doesn't have paru or yay installed by default so um i had to remember how to install those which i used to have memorized um so yeah turns out not an arch fanboy anymore go fedora all right moving mm -hmm. on to the last uh, article of the day uh this one here uh, we're gonna go, go. We're gonna go back a little bit to the um, beginning of the show where we were talking about single board computers. So uh, this article here is about a computer called the Oxnable. <laughs> it's, it's actually called the. It has a really weird name. It's called the OX64. It's a sub ten dollar Linux capable single board computer. Uh, this is from the Pine64 guys. So from a reputable company. Uh, it's um, I, I lost my thing, so you can. I lost my place in it. <laughs> anyway, anyways, it's a sub ten dollar board. It's not quite as powerful as what you talked about earlier, but it's um, yeah, it's like another one of these ten dollar, around ten twenty dollar boards that you can get to do random stuff for, for using open source and stuff, and it, mm -hmm. it, it it malboots boots Linux, so you can also. Put Linux on. It doesn't say a specific distro though. It just says it now boots Linux. 
and it runs it too. It runs it well. Honestly, this is the worst news article uh, ever. Um, oh, if you scroll down, it says that the OX64 is a RISC V Linux cable SBC for eight dollars. Uh, it features a BL808 from Buffalo Labs RISC V SOC with 64 megabytes of RAM, three core 64-bit RISC V core, 32-bit RISC V core, and a low-power RISC V core. Um, I'm assuming. Yeah, all right. Uh, two variants of the OX64 in day one for RTOS and Linux development, $6 and $8 respectively. It doesn't tell what the difference between those two are, though. I would uh, be very uh, interested to know where that $2 is going. Uh, right? Like, <laughs> wonder why there needs to be two versions. Just give the expen- expensive one. Uh, expensive yeah. is 8 bucks. Uh, expected avail- availability in uh, November. Uh, so if you're going to be doing... If you're a developer of any kind, this kind of stuff is very interesting for you. Um, I'd still want one, but I'm not sure exactly, again, what I would do with it. Um, yeah. yeah, it's just, I, I'm not sure. Like, I want one. They're all so cool. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm not sure what I'd do with it. But, yeah, they're, the interesting thing about all this is that there's so many of them, right? There's a lot of companies out there um, doing this kind of thing. And that's awesome because as Risk Five gets more and more developed behind it, you're gonna get more and more support for things like full-blown Linux. Now it's not gonna be on this board. This thing is a microcontroller that that's meant to do probably like one task, right? Um, yeah. But you're gonna get things like the Raspberry Pi and stuff like that, stuff that competes with that with Risk Five and stuff that eventually is going to be able to run full-blown Linux, and it's gonna be awesome. Um, I bet you, though, that they don't cost $10. I mean, eventually, when they get more capable, they're going to get more expensive. But, but I've been thinking that of the Raspberry Pi for years, that it was, it was going to eventually get more expensive. But it's when you can find one at MSRP, it's not as expensive as I kept thinking it probably should be. Because there's a lot of stuff you can do with it, right? So Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, that is the news. And um, I... Like our new format, I think three links is about our limit, though. If we if we each did four, it would just be you know too much. So, um, moving on to the last part of the show, and that is called the thingy of the week. Now, we call it the thingy of the week. We could have called it something different, apps of the week, picks of the week, but those names were trademarked, used by other podcasts, and we didn't want to be like other podcasts. So, uh, in, in, tr- in the true nature of innovation, we decided to do the exact same thing a lot of other podcasts do, but call it... A different thing and we decided uh thingy of the week now this is not a dirty phrase get your mind out of the gutter it's just a word um anyways tyler your thingy of the week uh, it is matt's favorite desktop environment gnome or as some would like to say gnome look i have really been enjoying the new gnome like it's real nice it is real nice. Um, mainly, the the thing that I have noticed is regardless of on Wayland or on Xorg, the animations and the snappiness of GNOME is really good. Like, really exceptionally good. Um, there used to be a noticeable difference in like the perceived snappiness of the system between xorg and wayland and wayland was noticeably snappier um i don't feel that anymore um 
And, and so I'm able to use Xorg without like feeling like I've had to like take some kind of performance hit, uh, to have like everything work, um, as I'm used to them working. Um, so like overall, just in general, I have really been enjoying the vanilla GNOME experience as I know you have too, Matt. That's not true. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let me give you a little tip though. Download from mm-hmm. FlatHub a application, well, two applications. One, the extensions manager, which will allow you to get extensions yep. really easy, right? But also mm-hmm. Gradients. Have you heard of Gradients before? I feel like I have, but I, I haven't used it and I'm not familiar with it. Gradients is the new way to theme GNOME. It allows you to tweak. Oh, yes, I have heard of that. Basically yeah, everything. About. And, you, you know, like a year ago or whatever, when we were all going, like, torches and pitchforks at gnome's throats about how they were killing themes turns out you know what they were doing um who the fuck knew uh, yeah they, they actually had a plan uh, like, like they had a plan for theming all along they just didn't tell us they let us all just grind our teeth into oblivion like how dare you get rid of my theming and it turns out they had a plan because gradients is it works with lib Adawaita. it's not a hack and it lets you customize way more than a theme ever could. Now, uh, obviously, there are some themes that like you used to be able to download that did a whole bunch more stuff. But in terms of like, actually choosing colors for your applications, it's really cool. Now, if Gradients ever gets the chance to be able to uh, edit or configure the shell itself, so like the bar at the top and the, the background and all that stuff, that'd be cool. But it's not there yet. But other than that, Gradients is awesome peter says you should not theme gnome you have to use it as is out of the box that's just sounds like painful it's like i mean it sounds like he's repeating like your rhetoric uh, you know like you i mean you're a hardcore diehard fan of vanilla gnome that's like saying you have to use rat poison but you can't configure it (laughs) (laughs) that's so like rat poison is unusable if you don't configure it, okay? I'm just, I'm just saying you can't use it without configuring it. Um, so yes, okay. Anyways, gradients, check that out because that's really cool. So, all right. So mine is one that I've actually think that I've talked about before on the podcast, but for and for sure I've made a video about it when uh, I was doing this top five apps list. Um, but it's Gallery DL. Now, this is one of those ones that could probably get me banned from YouTube, but it doesn't download YouTube stuff, so don't uh ban me youtube basically what gallery dl is is it's like youtube mm, i'm not gonna say the words <laughs> i don't want to get monetized but it, it's like that but for everything else so it has like 600 supported sites and yes most of them are porn hentai um <laughs> That's true. But there's regular stuff in there, too. So you can download things from, like, Wallhaven, Wallpaper Cave, um, uh, like, Flickr, regular picture sites, um, Reddit, like, a whole bunch of regular sites. And you can download, like, if you go into, like, Wallhaven, which is, like, a place that has, like, 10,000 or more wallpaper or something like that, and search for a specific type of wallpaper... And then you take that URL, put it into Gallery DL, and it will download everything in that search. So every single wallpaper in that search at its highest quality. And if you want to have a specific specific quality, you can do that as well. 
And if, if you're a wallpaper collector or you want to download all of the pictures of the fair faucet or something, if you're really old, <laughs> I don't know, um, <laughs> you know, you could do that. Right. And that's what makes it so cool is you can download pretty much anything from any sites. And if you're into like um, um, anime and stuff like that, not even just like the the porn anime, but like the regular anime that n normal people like, you know, uh, you can there's a lot of sites that are supported for that stuff, too. So um, it's really mean, cool. Uh, just for further reference um that's called hentai i i know what it was called i was trying to, <laughs> i was trying to be pc damn it uh <laughs> i even though i did well, say i did say hentai earlier so anyways yeah <laughs> i will i will say this that the majority of the sites that it, it supports are you know adult oriented um but you know, welcome you, to the internet. You don't have to use any of that stuff. You can just use some of the other stuff, right? You know, that's yeah. for people who don't look at porn. I guess I don't know. Um, it's just regular stuff, non-adult oriented stuff. I don't know. I need to stop digging the hole, okay? <laughs> I just need, need to put the shovel down and stop digging the hole. All right. Anyways, that is my thing. I'm over here cheering you on. Like, dig, <laughs> dig. <laughs> gonna ruin it. That's my thingy of the week. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good sell for your thing of the week. Anyways, um, so that's the podcast. We record this live every Friday around three o'clock p.m. Eastern time. We normally aren't a half an hour late. We do, we normally don't have so many audio problems at the beginning. So I'm really hoping the audio for this comes out okay because I'm recording it all in OBS, and I hope that OBS doesn't corrupt my file like it did earlier. So because. If so, then I'd have to download it from YouTube and then edit it, <laughs> which which would be like <laughs> taking the quality and just like crapping all over it. But anyways, hopefully it works. Yeah. It, it's going to work out fine. I have complete faith in OBS not to screw me. I do. I really do. All right. Anyways, before we go, I should take a moment to think we're going to put – I went the whole podcast without tripping over everything. Before we go, I should take a moment to think – I can't talk now. I, I had a stroke. <laughs> all right matt calm down <laughs> you can do it thank my current patrons thanks to everyone who does support me on patreon.com slash linuxcast i really do appreciate it the youtube members as well i always forget to thank you guys um because it's it's hard but anyways thanks to everybody who does support me on this stuff train wreck for every friday <laughs> Thank, thank you, Jeff, for that. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, thanks to everyone who does support me on Patreon. You guys are all absolutely amazing. Without you, the channel just would not be anywhere near where it is uh, right now. So thanks very much for... Does Tyler need a mic stand? No, he doesn't need a, a mic stand. He has no. one for his other one. It's just I, busy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, 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 got I do actually have a microphone stand I right next to me for the adapter. I, for, I forgot where it is. I searched everywhere. I couldn't find it. Imagine Matt doing stand-up. Matt would be horrible doing stand-up because uh, I'm just not a, I'm not a good I'm, you know, as evidence. I think, I, I think you'd be surprised. I'm pretty sure you could do stand-up pretty damn well. I'm not an eloquent enough speaker as, el as evidence over the last like five minutes. Alright, anyways. Thanks everyone for watching. Guys, we'll see you next time. Yeah.